The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. (laughs) You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Side Studies. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. Side Studies. This is Sarita. (laughs) That was beautiful. Thanks. This is Sarita the Edge. Edgerton, (laughs) I guess I have a name now. And to my left is Rick O.G. Welch. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> the Podfather? I don't know how the to do that, father. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'm going to make you a podcast you can't refuse. Yeah, that's awesome right there. That's a that's a tagline. There it is. Patent it right there. Tag. Copyright. Yeah. No patent. Just copyright. copyright. I'm going to make you a podcast you can't refuse. That's right. That's awesome. I like it. And across from me, that sultry voice you hear is mm. Charlton Rick Carter the second. Mm-hmm. Number two. Number he's two. He's actually the third, but is yes. he the third? Mm-hmm. Yes. Sorry, he's the third, but he's Rick the second. I'm a third. He's way. the electric rickening. <laughs> the electric rickling. <laughs> and behind the glass is Andy Rocketman Bishop. Pacal. Pacal. Oh boy. All right. I'm ready for this one. Oh yeah. I like this study. I told my suitcases that we weren't going to go on vacation this year. Okay. Now I'm dealing with some emotional baggage. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't tell a joke in the last one, so I had to tell a joke in this one. (laughs) Emotional baggage. (laughs) I have a joke at the end of this one. My husband said that he interviewed a guy named Patrick who used to work at the crematorium. Uh huh. He said he had to work hard to earn that paycheck. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Is that because rigor mortis set in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, earn Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I, I was kind of leaning towards the hard part, but. Okay. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> I, right in my mind. I wasn't going to do it, though. Again, Sorry. I am right still there. the only female You're right. in yeah, yeah, the building, even with the dogs. Oh, wait, is she a girl? Uh. No, all these are boys. <laughs> I am the only female. Jesus be with me. Yeah. All right. So if you listen to part one of this particular topic, the I am statements of Jesus, you heard us talk about several of them. When Jesus gives himself titles or names, I think we should probably pay attention to how he describes himself, those characteristics that he wanted people of his time to know. And then we can glean some wisdom in our day from these characteristics. Andy, would you please remind us of the I am statements that we have already covered thus far? I would be happy to, Sarita. <laughs> I am the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, and I am the resurrection and the life. Which I think we all agreed was our favorite. Uh-huh. Okay. Thanks, Andy. You're welcome. So let's finish this today. The next two occur during the Last Supper interlude, and I don't know before researching this that I ever thought about it. Where was he for the first ones? 
the one, two, three, four, five that we've done all so far, where was he? Well, he was out and about in the world. Here, he was at the Last Supper. And I guess I, I just had never put that together until I studied this. Mm-hmm. This is the last real teaching that Jesus would have with his disciples. The sixth one that Jesus speaks is my favorite. Huh. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is my favorite, and it's the motto of my homeschool. Our, the name of my homeschool is Messiah Academy, because all the letters are the first initials of all of our, my whole family, Michael, Ella, Sarita, Sumi, Izzy, AJ, Homeschool Academy. Wow. Yeah, How cool. neat is that? Yeah, that's pretty neat. And then our um, motto verse is this verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life that we're going to read here in a little bit. And I have it done in Latin. Really? That's so cool. All right. So here's a little background on the scripture that the OG Rick is going to read because context, as we proclaim on this podcast, is very important. Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet. He has told them about the one who would betray him. He gave him some bread and told them. He told about Peter's denial after Peter vehemently denies that he's going to deny him. Mm Mm-hmm. And he is now comforting them after giving them this bad news. He's gonna, he said, I got a good news, bad news situation. He gave them the bad news first. He does this intimate thing of washing their feet. Has anybody ever done that before? Wash somebody's feet? I have. We did it in Nicaragua. It was quite possibly one of the most meaningful things I've ever done, other than give birth and marry my husband, was washing these dusty feet. In this village, the women were crying, the men were crying, and people were lined up to be a part of it. And then when we were done, they sat us down. They washed our feet. Mm. Oh. It was. It was just, it was, I, I, I'm just speechless, which if you know me is rare. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was just a moment that I'll never forget. I think if I get Alzheimer's, I'll I'll remember that moment. It was precious. That's amazing. And to see, to think of the creator of the universe, the my savior of my soul, wash someone's feet. It always just it chokes me up. It because he means so much to me and I want to wash his feet. I want to throw myself down at his feet. Yeah. And if I had been in that room, he would have washed it's my like feet. You feel like Peter. If you're going to wash my feet, just wash all of me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, scrub like, me from me, head to toe. I love you so much to do that, but he didn't, you know, you, you don't understand, Peter. This is, you don't understand what I'm doing. Yeah. And that makes it even harder. Like, it's like, oh, man, that's precious. You're right. All right, Rick OG, would you give us John 14, 1 through 7? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, 
you know him and have seen him. So this is explosive. Yes, it is. This teaching, okay, so this teaching is the most controversial thing that Jesus has said. It shortly follows one of the most explosive things he had ever done, raising Lazarus from the dead in front of everyone. So he does this explosive thing for which they're plotting to kill him. They they ramp it up into fifth gear. For those of you who don't know how to drive a stick shift, <laughs> they put the pedal to the metal. And then he says this explosive thing to his disciples. I mean, after doing the most humble thing that he could do, which was washing their feet. I mean, so let's compare what he says with some modern day sayings. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am. Uh, and the Father washed your feet. <laughs> That's pretty brave. <sighs> That's pretty, for those of us who are Christians, that is soul touching. That's, yeah, it's it rips your touching. heart apart. It's it incredible. Does. I mean, it does. All right, Andy, go. Jesus, I am the way. The world. There are many ways to get to heaven. It is a mountain that has many sides to climb up to attain heaven. All right. So what I'm taking is I'm taking apart the statement that Jesus made and then comparing it with what the world says. There are many ways to get to heaven. I can can be Islamic. I can be an atheist. There may not be a heaven. I can be Jewish. I can be... Whatever the religion is, I can be that. There's many mountains, many ways, to, many sides of that mountain to climb up, but we're all going to the same place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not what Jesus said. Yeah, I am the way. I like right. how you put that because you remember that little the little farmer toy Fisher Price toy where you'd pull the thing and it's like the coyote says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You remember that? Mine never had a coyote on it though. It was the sheep says. Bleh. You didn't have a coyote. I didn't have a coyote on it mine. Yipped. I got Rick, ripped. I got ripped off, yeah. man. Rick had a special one that was all predators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the snake says. I think- now, no, I did have a snake on mine. I didn't. No, he was making that one up. Yeah. No, but I had a snake on they mine. Had, oh, you did? Well, they had different versions. Yeah. Oh. I had the coyote. So mine the way that glued. you said it, like Jesus Jesus says, I am the way, but then the world says, <laughs> it says what it says, right? Yeah. Cool. All right. Rick Cotta? Jesus, I am the truth. The world, I speak my truth. There is no absolute truth. Don't impose your truth on me. So Jesus says, I am the life. But the world says, I can live my life in any way I choose. This is the only life I have. After this, I just cease to exist. So can y'all see how bold these statements are, even today? Yeah, it's really going gonna, it's, it's gonna to drive home who Jesus is, one way or the other. Well, those ex- these statements were also bold in his time as well. The Jews, most of them, didn't believe Jesus to be the Christ, the Messiah. Some of them did. His disciples were Jewish, mm-hmm. so they believed. Right. But most of them did not believe Jesus to be the Christ, the Messiah. That's what Christ means, is Messiah. His claims would have been considered outrageous. And actually, they still are. Let's look at what he is saying. Andy, would you read The Way? I would. Yeah, it's great. The man is like, I am, I am an aspect of God. Mm-hmm. I am God and an aspect of God. That is quite the quite the claim. It's a bold statement. It's a bold statement. It's bold. All right. Matthew uh, 7, 13 through 14. That's what I call my son-in-law, Matthew. 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 It's fun in the, it's a fun, chewy word. (laughs) Uh, Enter by the narrow gate, 
for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few, and there are few who find it. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, OG, would you tell us what that extremely fascinatingly interesting book, Thayer's Greek Lexicon? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I fell asleep. Says about the phrase "the way." It's actually if you're a Bible if you're a Bible nerd, that's a great lexicon. It's lots of fun. If you're not, <laughs> if you need to if you need to fall asleep, <laughs> this is your book. Yeah. yeah. So um, the way that we read "the way" in the Greek lexicon, the way it's translated, it's a metaphorical phrase. I am the way by which one passes. Does that make anyone else think of Gandalf and Lord of the Rings? None shall pass. You shall not pass. I love that one. Yes. Or. Sir Ian McKellen. Yes. Or the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. Yes. Anybody? (laughs) Just me? I'll your ankles off. It's only a flesh wound. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, anyway. Oh, well, I digress. Here, Jesus alludes to two different ways. That going back to what Andy read in Matthew, one that leads to hell and destruction. A whole lot of people are going this way. It says, wide is the gate and broad is the way. So a lot of people are going that way. It's easy. It feels right. Everybody else is doing it. Think a school of fish. We're all just kind of swimming, keep swimming, keep swimming. The other way is much more difficult and few will actually go down that because it is so hard but if you do, it leads to Rick the second. The life. John 1, 4. In him, Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living being. I know that I moved ahead in the way, the truth, and the life. I wanted to go to the life next. So I went ahead in the verse a little bit, but I wrote this, so I claim poetic license. Yeah, I can do this when you write it, that's the joy, right? You can do whatever right. you want. I digress. Yep. Jesus was present at the beginning of life. God breathed his very life into mankind. We carry the pneuma in our lungs. Rick, OG, what does old Merriam-Webster say about pneuma? Pneuma. The first one is soul or spirit. And the second definition is an invisible liquid or vapor held to travel throughout the body and to be necessary to and associated with life. That's a fun word. That's a new. I like that. Yeah, pneuma. That's where we get pneumonia. That's right. Pneumonia. Pneumonia comes I from pneuma. I noted the, but I thought that might have been a coincidence because of how different the meanings are. And Johnny But pneumonic. it has to do with your breath. Okay. Okay. There you go. And, and he breathed okay. his pneuma. He breathed that breath into us, that life. Life is mentioned in two I am statements. I have said it before, and thus you should pay attention. (laughs) Something is repeated, especially by our Lord and Savior, that you should pay attention. Jesus has come to give us life, and life more abundant than anything we can imagine. Without God's pneuma, we have no life. And the last one, Andy? The truth, according to Vine's complete expository dictionary, is aletheia. Objectively signifies the reality lying at the basis of an appearance, the manifested, veritable essence of a matter. The word has an absolute force. In John 14, 6. The word truth here is the same word used in John 17, 17. Rick, number two, can you read that? May I submit we should just always call him Rick 3? Rick 3? And, and Rick 2 can be like one of those things people are like, who's Rick 2? <laughs> there yeah. you go. Okay. 
Done. Rick the third, go. All right. John 17, 17. Sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. All right. So the word truth, when he says, I am the truth, sanctify them by your truth. A little context here in John 17, 17. He's praying for us. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for his followers. In the garden, he's about to be murdered. And he he prays. Yeah. Sanctify them. Yeah. By me. Because your word, me, is truth. I am, I am. Yeah, other sheep I have. Yeah. Your word, I am, your word, Mm -hmm. and I am the truth. I mean... English is so boring. It is so boring. I mean, just what he's saying here in the Greek is beautiful. I mean, all right. In John 18, 37 to 38, he says to Pilate, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? What is truth? (laughs) What is truth? Uh, You're looking at it. The way we inflect that. Exactly. It was staring him right in the face. But he says, what is truth? Or what is truth? Or, you know. You know, in most cases, that's exactly what was happening. Everybody was standing in front of everything they were asking for and could not see it. Yeah. True. It's very true. Jesus prays himself the truth as sanctification, sanctification, which, for those of you who don't know, that means a setting apart over his disciples and us right before he is betrayed and taken away. Then he goes on to say, your word is truth. Basically, I am that I am. This is amazing. With this I am statement, Jesus makes himself out to be one of three things. He is either a lunatic, because who would be crazy enough to say this stuff? It's going to cause him to die. They're going to put him to death for saying this stuff. So he's either a lunatic, he's a liar, uh, didn't really put any explanation there, or he is the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you have to come to those conclusions, and there's other conclusions you come to at, at the baseline. It's if a man stands in front of you and looks at you and says, I am God, I am the Father, the Father and I are one, the only way you're going to make it to the Father is through me. That's a pretty, that's not only a bold statement, but that's a very clarifying statement. He's saying, I'm bananas, or yeah, I true. am that person. Or I'm lying. Or I'm just trying to get your money, or I'm trying to do something else, whatever it might be, a charlatan, right? I want fame. We used to be in this band, and it was like, people either liked us or they hated us, or they thought we were okay. Yeah. Sorry, that's a little obtuse, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some, There's it's defined. It's, you're defined. You're defined by, by who is listening to you. And that's what you have with Jesus, too. You have some that didn't believe and some that did. And some, it radically changed their lives. And we did that study and showed what happened to all the disciples who followed after him. They did exactly what he did and ended very similarly. And it continued on through down through the ages. So sometimes I like to imagine that I am a disciple. I'm a female, so I don't really get There's to no have that privilege. That. But He had so, female disciples. I know, but you know, like the ones that are mentioned by name and have books that they wrote oh, okay. in the Bible. Like Mary Magdalene? <laughs> it's just not well, in our Bible. Depends on, yeah, Matthew. version of Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Mark. I know, well, I Matthew, gotcha. John. Mark wasn't a... I know. Yeah. I know. Neither was Luke. Peter. Okay, one of those guys. <laughs> gotcha. So he's saying these things. They're hearing him. We're reading this. 
So we have to try to put ourselves in their shoes. And I'm going to going off script here a little bit. That's but good. We have to kind of put ourselves in those shoes. And I like to think about that. So they hear him say these things. And of course, you know, you got Thomas who asks the questions. I mean, we like to say, oh, he asked the dumbest questions. But literally, we would have been asking those same questions. Like, what are you talking I mean, really? Yeah, what are you good talking old about? Doubting Thomas. We don't know where you're going. Where's what his what twin are you talking at? about? Where's his twin? I know, Is poor Didymus. I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyway, so they heard this. But in the context of everything, they had seen the miracles. They had walked with him. A couple of them had been up on the mountain and had that Mount of Transfiguration moment, right? They had seen things. They had heard things. What they were about to go through, and then they're going to see him again. I wonder... If this comes back to mind, he was who he said he was. He was God. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. I mean, I mean, that's what Thomas does. As soon as he touches them, he's, he goes, my Lord and my God. But he had to touch him. Right. The other ones didn't necessarily have to touch him. They were like getting it. But they all saw him resurrected. A lot of people saw him resurrected. But I wonder if they went back to the statement and like, he was bold enough to say it. He said it. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way, the, the only way. It's interesting. Whenever, um, sorry. I am not keep... a life. I am right. the life. The life. And I am the truth. Right. Very definitive. And I, we keep talking about the chosen, but I just can't help it. The, um, episode eight of season three, Sarita, when he says, he tells all of these, like this mixed crowd of Gentiles and Jew alike, and he looks at him and he was like, you have to come through me to get to the Father. It felt so disjointed when he did it. So weird. It was such, it felt like it was out of place, but it, in the scriptures, it's correct. Yes. It's what he's telling them. He's saying it to them, and they're just like. Almost in that moment, you could see that they have no idea. Yeah. No clue. Right. And then he feeds them. Yes. And then later on, like you did in that previous study, you know, they come back to him later, but he's like, you're only here because you want food. Yeah. I'm the food. I am the bread. He, and they don't get it until he shows up in that locked room. Locked they room. don't get it. And the, they're in the upper room together after oh, his death. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. doesn't get it. They don't get it until well, he shows up in that room out of nowhere. I thought I think, you were talking about like I, escape room or something. Oh, yeah. Is there all, a new Christian escape room? That would be awesome. Jesus comes in like, how did that happen? The Last Supper. Yeah. <laughs> themed. <laughs> Yep. I'm sorry, Rick, what were you saying? Again, I'm 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 giddy with excitement of an upcoming episode. Y'all gotta listen to this one because it's we'll gonna ex- be fueled. We'll explain yep. about what they can see and how they can't see. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about what they're missing and what it takes to see what they needed to see. Yep. And the perspectives. It it really stands true today too. I'm excited about it, it but it stands I, true. It's really cool. Yes. All right. So we're gonna come to the last of the traditional seven. Rick the third. I am the vine. I am the branch. <laughs> hey, Andy, you want to take this whole paragraph for me? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I, am the, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And this is from John 15, 1 through 9. Uh, verse 2 said, Every branch in me does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. And it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit for itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you 
unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he cast out as a branch that is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. All right, so to continue with the context, Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room having Passover, or what we call the Last Supper. They didn't call it the Last Supper. I don't know that they understood that it was going to be their Last Supper with him. Now, Jesus did. I think Da Vinci called it the Last Supper, actually. I know. He's the one that titled it. <laughs> but what's what we call it, it today? Yeah. yeah. And there's that painting you can go look at. That's right. And many very badly copies, replicas done of it. Ugh. So Judas has been possessed and gone to do what he is going to do. The 11 of them plus Jesus are left. So think about the intimacy that is intimated here. Jesus is giving them their final lesson. Just them, not the betrayer, but the ones who would follow him even unto death. He calls himself the vine or the true vine, and he calls God the vine dresser. God walks through his vineyard, his people, and seeks to prune out anything that is rotten, dead, and has quit bearing any fruit. If we, his people, stay connected to him, we will bear much fruit. If we aren't connected to Jesus, we will wither and die. This is clear Old Testament languages, and the disciples knew that. Jesus spoke of vineyards. God in the Old Testament spoke of vines as a symbol for Israel. They were almost always to speak of success or consequently failure. Andy, would you read Proverbs thirty-one sixteen? She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Also, this is from Amos 9.14. I will restore the captivity of my people Israel, and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. From Isaiah 61.5, strangers will stand and pasture your flocks, and the foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers. Vine dressers. So I've already admitted that, again, I don't know much about farming. I really literally cannot grow anything green. I kill it. Don't ever give me a plant that's alive. Please give me a plastic one or none at all. <laughs> I can grow children, but plants, nope, can't do it. My mom used to give me, I promise you, you won't, you can't kill this one. <laughs> it would be dead the next time she came to visit. What did you do to it? I don't know. I cannot, I cannot do it. I do know from high school biology that the vines spoken of here grow grapes. Grapes make wine. Many vineyards will graft one type of grape into another vine of grapes to create a new species of grapes. Okay? Since I'm not Jewish, I am not of the original vine. Now, I got like 2% two per, two some kind of Jewish in me, but I'm not of the original vine. I have been grafted in. I have become a part of the vineyard as a new type of fruit. You, Rick, other Rick, have been grafted into this vine as well. And we must abide in the vine dresser, the one who controls the vineyard. Aren't you glad it isn't me? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have killed that vine so long ago. <laughs> Judas, an apostate, was not abiding in him. 
He was going to portray Jesus. He would be burned up. The others, true believers, were abiding in Jesus, staying true to him, and would go on to plant many vineyards and produce much fruit. If you were a believer in Jesus Christ, then you are that fruit. Isn't that amazing to think? We are the fruit of the disciples if you go all the way back? Yes, yes. Wow. None of this comes unless all of that happened. Right. It had to come from somewhere. Right. Rick, OG, what does the vine dresser do to vines that aren't producing much fruit? He prunes them. He trims them up, cuts off the dead weight. Then that branch can produce good fruit. So what does that pruning look like? What does that pruning look like in yeah, our lives? I was thinking about this. You know, I've had I've had situations where a person needed to be cut away from me because of what it was doing to me and how it was stopping me from my, you know, following my faith the way that I knew that I should be. I could feel it in my spirit. I knew I wasn't going the right way. And so I had to end a relationship in order to stop that from happening. Um, I've also, um, I've had, I used to have a problem with alcohol, you know, a long time ago, uh, back in my 20s. And Did I you kn- know you were getting pruned? I did. No, no, no. I didn't know that I was getting pruned. I did have a wife that was telling me she wasn't going to be with me if I continued. And so um, my family meant more to me than that. And so I stopped completely. But I I wasn't just drinking occasionally. I was drinking myself to oblivion quite, quite often. Um, and that's a very expensive habit when you have a family with a wife that stays at home and three kids. So yeah, I had that. But also... Um, once that happened, my clarity came back to me, my so you know, my sobriety, and uh, I was able to go back to the word, and then I began to produce fruit again in my life, you know, whereas before I'd pretty much stopped. So that's how I see it. So, um, I, if you've listened to my testimony, um, that I've shared here. I had to be pruned, and I didn't really understand what that was. I didn't I didn't understand because, again, I'm not a farmer. I can't keep things alive. I don't know that you have to pick things off and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't realize when I was going through the post-abortion healing that the Lord was cutting away all of that rotten stuff, all of that dead stuff, so that I could – I didn't want children at the time, but I produced that kind of fruit, human mm-hmm. Human fruit, fruit little yeah. baby fruits, who are all right now walking with the Lord. Yeah. That was that was my ultimate goal. Uh, they're walking with the Lord. Maybe they won't in the future, but for right now. But if he hadn't cut away that dead ickiness, my my hurt from abortion, the, the pain that I felt, the destruction, the alcohol, the destruction that I was living, I might not have produced that fruit. My husband said that last night to my daughter. She's got this big interview, and she's he was like, you know, if your mom hadn't gone through that, you might not be here. That's right. Because, But he had to cut that away. There have been times that we had to leave a church because it was not – we weren't producing fruit there. I'm not saying that church wasn't producing fruit. We weren't producing right. fruit there. You have to there. be very aware of what's going we on We were the wrong life, finger on the wrong heart. hand. Rick, the third, have you ever had any pruning? No, he's pretty much been perfect his whole life. All life? Okay, perfect. Yeah, Andy? Just, I'm just messing with you, buddy. Also with the perfection, actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We knew that. Even Andy. Mm, oh, my goodness I've gracious. had a lot of pruning in my life. In, sure. In different areas. The sad part is um, trying to prune out like the people that you really care about and that you really love, mm-hmm. having to prune them off Oof. is kind of the hardest part to ever do. It's real difficult to decide when 
your ability to help someone does not outweigh their ability to disrupt your life and hurt you. And, be and that is sick. Yeah. incredibly difficult math. It is. Yeah. Had, That's an algebra equation. There was somebody in yeah, my, I think it's more like calculus or quadratic equations. No, more, 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 <laughs> more, harder. It's so interesting. There was somebody in my life that, that ultimately had to be pruned out. And usually when you prune something, it, it never, it's never a good, easy thing. You know, in the essence of pruning something, you have to cut it off. Mm-hmm. And it's damaging to the vine. Because even at that moment, after it's pruned, it doesn't just naturally heal itself to look like the rest of the vine. Mm-hmm. It goes through a process in order to heal itself. Um, and it's and vulnerable at that moment. That part of it is. But the part that you cut off, you don't never know whether or not what condition it'll end up in. In most cases, it can die off. Mm-hmm. In certain cases of a, somebody that's a, a, a much better green thumb than I am, and, and maybe Ceridius, can take that piece of, that's been cut off and they can transplant it and make something else out of it that produces fruit. But in, in certain cases, if that is that piece that's been cut off is not necessarily, um, uh, lack of a better word, maybe worthy to be create, to be resubplanted, then it just dies. And to know that, um, in, at least in my life, somebody that got pruned out of my life, sadly is not here anymore because they, decided to continue down a path that ultimately led to to you know them not being here anymore. Now what's interesting is knowing that even though through that person's loss that somebody else was affected by them that now is looking at the Lord in their life that possibly wouldn't have done it before. So you see the Lord can make all things. It really use turns all things around. for good for those who. Sorry to sidetrack so long. No, no that's I know. Good. I, I know that, that. Um, something else that I was thinking about is you know to remember that it's the Father that's the vine dresser. A lot of times, the things like I said, you know, I had to cut a person off, or whatever, because I knew God was telling me what was happening. I could feel that it didn't measure up against His word or whatever it was. But I've also had that with doctrine. I've had doctrines that I was indoctrinated with that slowly uh, through the word and through prayer and through time began to come in question and forced myself to bear fruit. The The changing of the belief isn't just, oh, I'm thinking of it differently. Your life actually changes and you live a different way. And that's part of the fruit that's being bared. Like I would see other people become saved Went like I would lead people to Christ, you know. After I after all this happened, and then I I start speaking in this new manner, or I start acting in this new manner. People come up to me and they're like, "What is this that you're talking about? I want to know more." And then to be able to share with them, and then watch them ask for salvation, you know. And it's like that's evidence that what he's done is happening. You know, it's it's happening. I'm being shaped by the word, but it's affecting a person outside of me, and I'm watching that fruit being bared right in front of me, growing right in front of me. So what happens, though, if we don't stick close to the heavenly vine dresser? Rick, you read it in Isaiah, Rick, this third. What do you read it in Isaiah? What was that? Who becomes the vine dresser? Foreigners. Not God. (laughs) Somebody's going to dress your vine. Is it God or people? And what, what, who can take better care of the creation than the creator? Mm Mm-hmm. Because man ain't doing a great job 
taking care of the creation. Yeah. That's, that was our dominion to be given. We're not doing a great job with it. So I don't want some other man to be in charge of my, my vineyard. Yeah. I don't know how to answer that. I don't know how to take care of all this place, so I know that. <laughs> all right, so what's the point? I don't know how to fix it. Stick with the vine dresser, the holy one, so you can get a smooth Merlot or Cabernet. If you don't, you might end up at Boone's Farm. <laughs> <laughs> the Mad Dog 2020. I remember that from college. Hmm. <laughs> all right, so we have come to the end of the traditional I am statements, though I think there is one more that Jesus says, and he says it three times, and in each time he says it has a different reaction. Andy, would you please read John chapter 4, verses 25 and 26? The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Hmm. All right. So according to my MacArthur Study Bible, the actual Greek doesn't say I am he, but just I am. Mm-hmm. This is again expressed in John eight fifty eight. Rick the Third, would you do the honors here? John eight fifty eight. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Oh, yeah. They did not like All that All right. Statement. So the first one was to the Samaritan woman at the well. Right. Love that story again. Closely relate to that lady. Yeah. You're not going to be worshiping on a mountain anymore. Nope. <laughs> the the chosen did it when he when Jesus was there in the temple, and he said, I am the law of Moses. Yes. Then to the Sanhedrin, he says, they say, you know, are you better than Abraham, Jacob, our fathers? And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. What did he just say? I mean, and they picked up rocks immediately. Oh, yes, like they were going to stone right. him right on the spot it's, when he said it. I, I, I said that. And it it's is so explosive. infuriated the Jews that they were going to stone Jesus, but he disappeared from their midst. Oh, sorry, I jumped so far ahead, but it was exciting. No, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. he literally pulled a disappearing act. Yeah, he was there, he and then poofed. he wasn't. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to the do it where he just like Hallelujah. stares him down and walks right through it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to fast forward to John 18, verses 4 and 5. O.G. Rick. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. All right, so let's look at the reactions. The woman at the well, he said, I am. She got up. The disciples were coming that way. She got up, she ran, and got everybody she knew Come back, you got to see this guy. He told me everything I did. He said, I am. Mm-hmm. He was Yahweh. It's transformational. Yep. Those words should be transformational. The Jews, <laughs> it transformed them, but it transformed them into anger. I mean, this was blasphemy. It's the worst transformer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bay. I'm going to yeah. hit you. <laughs> I mean, this was blasphemy. Yeah. Was it blasphemy when he spoke it to her? Probably. Yeah, of course. Of course it was. And then, I mean, then, oh gosh, did I leave that out? What? Oh, wait, hang on. Oh, I'm sorry. So, and then what OG Rick read, whom are you seeking? Jesus Nazareth, Nazareth I am he. He was in the garden. You're Judas has come up and him. kissed him. Yep. Gave him a kiss on the cheek, the betrayer's kiss. And he says, who are you looking for? Jesus, I am... It was so transformational that they fell to the ground. They were it says it blew pushed. them back. It blew them back to the ground. It blew them back to the ground when he spoke it. The same language is used when the 
when the soldiers at the rock, it's the same language, by the way, that same, they were blown to the ground. Yeah. Whenever we do it, um, I've been a part of a passion play and they decided to put this in it. And it's so awkward when you're sitting because we can't do it justice. You can't blow back. No. So they smack the wall and they like kneel down and then they get up and they're like scratching their head. Like, what was that about? No, that's not what it was. It would, it'd be like Neo in the matrix. It was like, yeah. And all that's right. That was a great, great imagery. Actually it was. And really it was only the soldiers. Like the disciples were standing there going, uh, that was neat. Well, that was awesome. <laughs> that was so cool. Okay. Um, why? Well, it harkens back to God calling himself this very name in Exodus to Moses. Exodus 3.14 says, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Wow. God was yelling because it's in all caps in my Bible. Mm -hmm. I, and I use the New King James for anybody who needed to know that. And I use it actually for the whole study, but I kid. But what do you think of this final I am statement of Jesus? Or while he was living, final, while he was living on the earth as a human. What do you think of this? Do you, do you consider it one of the I am statements? I do. Oh, absolutely. Um, you're talking about... You're talking about whenever he was being arrested, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, or definitely. He said it three times. Yes. Again, if he repeats himself, yep. there's a purpose behind it. Again, it goes back to the way, the truth, and the life. He is likening, they would have known this word, because it was a word that many of them can't write, won't say. You know, I have friends who write the G with the underscore D. Right, they won't right. write the, they wouldn't say Yahweh. You know, they wouldn't say it out loud. It was a very holy word. And here he was, this insurrectionist <laughs> yeah. who uttered the statements, putting him equal to God. I mean, this is explosive. It's explosive. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole, that's the only way they could really, in their law, that's what they needed to kill him, you know, in their law. That's all they needed. Now, others saw who, saw him for who he was, and we also know that he was blinding them as he was going along doing this um, for his purpose, but I definitely think that you're right. I think there's an eighth, really eighth, ninth, tenth, the way that, the way that And it gets ignored, mm -hmm. kind of, because yeah. I've done several Bible studies where we've done those, and, and I am the door, I am the bread of life, and, but this I am, it should be the first one, <laughs> but it's the last, it's, you know, it's the last thing he says, really. Yes. Uh, and except you know what he says to Pilate and others at the cross, but he either is a lunatic, he's crazy, mm -hmm. he's a liar, or he's the Lord. I mean, that's your choice. And he uttered the name. This is the name that was given, and he's claiming that in his physical form. But there's going to come a time, and it already has, when he has a name that's above every other name. Including that one, by the way. Hmm. It's written on his thigh. Does that, Only he knows. Does, that does that explosive? That's explosive. <laughs> so I did mention that we would discuss a few of the I am statements in Revelation. So no matter what you believe about Revelation, whether you believe it's future, you believe it's allegorical, spiritual, whatever, Jesus does utter some I am statements in Revelation. In Revelation uh, chapter 1, verses 17 and 18 to John, he says, I am the first and the last, he who was, 
see, he who lives and was dead and behold, am alive forevermore. So that's an I am statement. I am the first and the last. Then he goes in 21.6 and says the very same thing, but just in a different manner. I am the alpha and the omega. So if you know your Greek language, that's the first letter. And the last letter, I am the A and the Z. The beginning and the end. And then he repeats it again in verses in verse 22.13. I am... He repeats that again in verse 22, 13, and then he says, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And so I think we shouldn't ignore those. Some of those are the bright morning star. I don't necessarily, I don't understand what the root of David and offspring of David is. And Alpha and Omega, and I get that. I was at the beginning. I'll be there at the end. I, I'm in the middle. I am, I was, I will be forevermore. Thoughts, comments, jokes. I think this is a fantastic study. No, it's yeah, great. what was uh, what were the disciples' favorite root vegetables? I don't know, Rick. What were the disciples' I favorite? I am root? what I am. <laughs> I am what I am. Oh. I had to wait until the end of the study to say it because we were on it. Very good. Very good. Yeah, well, you did a great job on this. Thank you. Thank Kudos you. Kudos to you for leading the study. Yep. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I was excited. I. Of course, I love studying God's Word, so it makes me happy to do that. I like it when you cry. Like, that's my favorite. Because usually, I think our spirit is like, <laughs> seriously, when no, she's I know, doing I it, know. like, my spirit's like right there it. with you. And I'm like, <laughs> just bring it, sister. I get it. Jesus I really do. takes my breath away. I, me too. He takes my breath away. I mean, because I know what I was. Yeah. And I know what I am. That's right. Like yeah, good job. There? Good play on words there. So that's all for us here at Giraffe Studios in beautiful Hendersonville, North Carolina. Thank yes. you, Andy. Thank you. Thank you, Rick the Third. The OG. <laughs> Thanks, OG. Yeah. And I'm Sarita. We'll see you next time on the Burrows of Berea. Peace out. Bye. Billy's not here to do that. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.